Hey, it's David Ward. Real quick before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the content, please share and subscribe to the podcast. I've heard every time you subscribe, a drummer gets their wings. So please help a drummer out and subscribe. All right, now on to the show. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to Musicians on the Record. This is the show where we bring you the musician story. I'm David Ward, and I'm very lucky and grateful to have one of the most talented musicians uh, on the planet, quite frankly, today. I'm a little jealous, Gary, because not only are you a world-renowned drummer, but you're also a world-renowned pianist. How'd you do that? Gary Husband is on the show today. Welcome, Gary. Oh, thanks, David. Thanks. Thanks. It's such a pleasure to be here and to, to meet you and to be on your show. Thank you. That's your question. I don't know. Schizophrenia. That's all I can. That's all I can imagine. <laughs> it's a blessing I mean, sometimes, right? I've, I've got one foot in here and the other foot in there, but somehow together they are the the both the the both axes, as so to speak, kind of make sense as as one. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. And, I, I, I want, to talk, I want to talk about that as well as you've got some amazing stuff coming up, the tour with John McLaughlin, your new video oh, yes. cast series that's out. Um, which started first, though, for you? Yeah, and congrats. Let's just name that. Congrats. You're celebrating the new video cast. Go to GaryHusband.com. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with that, then, for God's sakes, the new video uh, cast series. What right. is it? Tell us about it. Well, it's uh, oh, it's revolutionary. Well, no, it's you know what it is? It's um, I like to think of it really as uh, as motivational as it is instructional. And also in the sense that I regard it as having a bit of a difference because I regard it as being more about the the person watching or the aspiring musician or aspiring drummer, whatever, because it's it's basically about drums. Uh, as much as it is me, in fact, even more so. In in fact, it's about me by example, and I, I like to think very much that way. It's 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 um, it's encouraging to to try to get musicians not just a soul search, but really just to tune into what sort of comes more naturally to them in terms of them, the individual the individual musician, and try to steer away, if possible, a little bit from this looking at the contemporaries and judging yourself and weighing yourself up against people who are doing amazing things. And then, you know, you ending up feeling all paranoid that you're not shredding like the next guy and, and, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I, I just want to sort of readdress in my way and accordingly with the kind of experience and life I've had in music those balances a little bit and try to get uh, something a little bit more personal and um, harness uh, what's in the musician and try and bring that out more than just the science or the competitive thing or the, the high technique or whatever. That's all. And and I think we've we've got really a great start. We've got six new episodes and it's it's all looking good. And there'll be more and more. So come on up. GaryHusband.com. That's where you can find them, right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 And they look beautiful. You produce them really well. High tech, right? Uh, well, uh, this is my other half. She's really the talented one of us. And she's, she's 
pretty much done everything. And she's done fantastic job. So, you know, we've got nice camera angles and I even look good. You know, so, uh, you know, I mean, amazing. Yeah. So we're, we're very happy about it. Thanks, David. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you for sharing it with us. And, you know, I think what you're saying is really true for drummers, but also all musicians. When we look on the Internet and we see these uh, amazing things that other folks doing, the, the comparanoia that happens, the, you know, talk a little bit about that and how to get past that. Well, I, I think, I, you know, one of the main protagonists, could I, could I call it, say that, be, behind um, me wanting to really pursue this was I was in touch with a young guy, uh, not dissimilar to a great other many that, that I speak to or that approach me or, or that I congratulate on, online for their performances or whatever. And, um, and this particular guy got back and said, is it possible I could send you some, some of what I'm doing? And I said, please, yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. I want to hear. Send away. And he sent me some of the most extraordinary stuff. Not only that, it was actually quite unique, very characterful, had a real difference to it. You know, he had a real kind of personality I'm not used to hearing. So I was surprised, and I, and I love being surprised in music. So, um, And uh, he sent me that. Cut a long story short, you know, a player, a young player with great promise. I asked him what his plans were, and he said that he was immediately – or imminently going to play in a, a drummer festival with a bunch of other drumming names, whatever. And when I asked him the next time I was in touch with him, how's it going towards the event? And he said, oh, well, I said, what? He said, oh, I pulled out. I said, really? Why? He said, because I just can't shred like those guys can. And I thought, What? Really? I mean, I know you delve in sorting people out, David. So I, you know, you know, in in other ways, and you know, and um, and I've been there too, so not sorting people out, mind you, been the other end. But uh, but yeah, but and the guy just so deeply troubled me saying that 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 I just said, how on earth could you? want to hide away that magnificent spirit and presence and personality you have on the drums because you can't play fast enough. I mean, what is going on here? You know, so, you know, to going, going back to this thing, readdressing the balance a little bit more and, and bringing, um, you know, cause this guy, you know, I spoke to him and he, he knew I was mightily pissed off with that. In England, we say pissed off. You say pissed. We say pissed off. <laughs> but but it, not not in a way to to insult him, I, you know, out of respect for what he had going on. And really for him to not to try and shock him or, 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 or you know, make an affrontage, really just to encourage him, like, really in no way should you ever do that, you know? Even if you go out and play with mystery and silences and and then you suddenly explode into this fantastic thing and you and you you're right in the spontaneous and you're right at what you're good at being like this kid is that i say just do it your own way nobody else is going to do it nobody sounds like you you sound great and you sound like you you know don't 
don't go anywhere with that. And definitely don't pull out of any more drum festivals. I was about to say competitions. No, festivals, drummer festivals, you know. So this, I mean, that was a major, I, I thought, yeah, I, I need to try and do something about this. Because if I'm going to talk to this guy and I hope he forgives me. I can't bring his name to mind at the moment. But if I'm going to speak to him on Facebook or whatever and give him a, you know, a you know, three-paragraph answer, then I thought, well, maybe I should sort of get some of this philosophy down to the attention of a broader audience. So this is, for the first time, David, <laughs> an educational medium I can put my name to. That is fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm very happy for you. That's great because you know yeah. the guy you're talking about. Not only he's not the only one, right? I mean, so many no. you know, hundreds of folks. I mean, I was just on the the kit the other day, uh, trying to play something that I couldn't play yet, and all of that stuff came into my head of like, okay, this this sucks, but it's really about slowing down, stopping, accepting yourself just where you're at. And mm. then moving on from there, right? Mm. Getting over that fear of judgment, I think, is a, a huge thing. And especially when you're getting high praise from Gary Husband that you're you're a good drummer, just oh. go with it, right? It just that's your mindset. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's nice of you. But really, I think any responsible uh, anybody uh, really of of a benevolent nature and and who plays is involved in, in this art as much and as passionate about it as we are. I and many friends of mine, contemporaries and colleagues, then uh, we're all going to reach out, you know, because this, um, it's actually getting a little, it worries me a little bit, the, the, the identity on the instruments and, and, the, and the people carrying on, hopefully the evolution of our instrument, our art, in this world of percussion, in drum set playing, I want to see a little bit more originally. Uh, no, I'll start again. I want to see a little bit more originality, a little bit more of them, and not something that's that's come up out of some kind of competitional feeling that they have, that where they have to be put up, you know, and judged against you know alongside somebody this is worrying to me that's not music i mean i don't care if you're a rock guy i'm a jazz guy i'm an improvisation guy i don't care what country and western music is music it's supposed to be real it's supposed to be your thing what you bring to the, the table and that's what makes you special what you're going to bring and that's the answer to your question and also what the the, the whole video series is about. Yeah. Fantastic. Can you say a little bit more to folks about how do you find that originality to express your voice, express yourself, whether on the drum kit, the piano, any other instrument? I think you need to believe in your own instinctive things that come up. I think Intuition and instinct play a huge part, certainly in informing you, if you want to really look at it, like what drew you to the instrument in the first place? Why did you want to make a noise on that instrument? What kind of a noise did you want to make? You know, what did it come out of hearing? How can what you heard be instrumental and influential in, in terms of what you want to do? 
And how much of you, you know, how much of, of that can you take alongside other people you've got a passion for? May they be in jazz or rock. And I mean, all of this magnificent realm of music, doesn't matter what kind of music really, has comes out of some kind of fusion. Even if you want to go back to the great classical musicians, the Eastern European composers, there was this rivalry, there was this this the taking, the stealing, in fact, of ideas, you know. But in a sense, we steal, you know, and it's funny and it's great and we all do it. And I think it's, it's, it's a healthy thing. But it doesn't mean that we're going to end up sounding like the people who first came off with the, or came up with the information that you're stealing or taking or being inspired by, because you're always going to put it together and put it in some kind of context which is you. And, and, and really just step by step, I'd like to just address where we're looking at this stuff coming from in us. You know, I, I give you a track with a click track, say, play to that, make something happen with that, as I do on the course. And, and I say, this isn't what you've just seen me do. It's about what does this say to you? You know, what, what can this mean? to you enough to bring something to it that, that that sort of occurs to you. You know, what comes up in your imagination? Try it. Throw it against the wall. If it fails, so what? You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who said there are no mistakes? Miles, Miles Davis, I think. There are no mistakes. <laughs> He's, he was right. I, I don't believe that either. And I think that... Uh, this is what I want to cultivate more. Uh, this is what I want to try to advise younger musicians to cultivate more. And that listening piece seems, seems so important. I mean, is that how, is that your sort of practice, whether you're working with John McLaughlin or when you were working with Ginger Baker, Jeff Beck? I mean, when they present to you a track, is that how you go about coming up with your parts? Well, first of all, all those people that you mentioned – with exception to Ginger, I only I worked with alongside Ginger on a couple of things, but I worked with Jack, his his famous counterpart in the in the great group Cream, and and I had a few a good few years with with Jack Bruce, and and he was astonishingly individual, and and it's not, I mean you hear that on the on the records and the recordings anyway, but when you play with him, I mean where he'd put those notes. And he'd just wait for you to get through something. And he'd just find the perfect hole to to go in and lunge in, lunge forward in. I mean, just the most magnificent uh, conversational playing. And he was, if you bear in mind, his biggest influences were Charlie Mingus in jazz and J.S. Bach, classical composer. So, And really, you see exactly what Jack was about in his... Um, is his uh, inventive, um, his improvisational approach, very much akin to to bark lines, counter lines, counter melodies, um, this sort of perpetual invention. Of course, in a spontaneous way, because he was a big Im improviser. Every time he played something, it was completely different, and all according to the moment that day on that stage. And this was pure musician. And, and any more of an inspiration I couldn't hope for, Jack Bruce. And then he sang 
<laughs> and how he sang. But not only that, he sang and played. And, and the voice was brilliant, and the bass player was fluid and brilliant. Done at the same time, but separate. Unbelievable, huh? What a gift, right, to, to all of us, uh, Jack. <laughs> yeah. how, how did that even come about, Gary, that you ended up playing with him? It came about through, really, my, my initial meeting with Alan Holdsworth, the guitarist. Um, because when I first met Alan, he was together with Jack, and they were, they were trying a three-piece together. This is long back, 78, 79. Oof. <laughs> and... Uh, and and uh, and I met him then, and and there was there was possibility of maybe doing something, which we did. We had a few sort of jammy kind of improvisational gigs, but it didn't turn out to the band to be the band that both of them were hoping for, and there were certain difficulties with that anyway. But yeah, I I'd, I'd met Jack a long time back, but not really played with him until ninety. Three, when I when I sort of joined his trio, really he had a trio with Blues Saracino, the great uh, rock blues guitarist, and uh, and we we were hammering at home with that trio. I'll tell you, it was it was real real fun, but full of Jack. I mean, it was all about Jack's way, and and uh, it was just such an honor and a pleasure to be involved with him in any aspect of life, really, because as rich as he was in music, he was. It was like that as a human being. I mean, this goes back to wanting to to cultivate the person in the playing again, because it's not like you can be one way in music and, and like some other kind of person completely in life. You're the same. You play who you are. People play who they are. And he was exactly as he played in life. I mean, it's just the most complete existential thing in music. A perfect example, Jack Bruce. Ooh, ah, miss him. Any special memories of him and your time together come up for you around that, whether playing gigs or recording or just hanging out? No, I can remember exactly how many times I was fired. (laughs) (laughs) It was all part of the exuberance and the, the fantastic experience on stage. I mean, it was... It was such a, you know, do you ever know this expression, David, that, you know, you, when you, you know, in spontaneous music, when you want to really go for something, it's like you, you make the leap, you dive off the cliff, you make the leap, or you dive or you leap, one or the other, Gary boy. <laughs> so let's say, let's say you make the leap and you find some way to deal with the way you're falling as you're falling. So you negotiate the fall as you're falling, but the leap you just took. Now that's a kind of special thing, isn't it? I mean, it, and, and, and not really those words, Jack, Jack would allude to music and the approach to playing that very much that way. And it's exactly how he played. I love that. You leap, negotiate the fall, and you hope for a good landing, right? Yeah, you negotiate the fall as you're falling. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully nothing to worry about. Right, right. And hopefully land on the one, right? So that's the uh, yes. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he he loved landing on two. He loved landing on four and I mean he anything irregular Jack loved and he'd make something out of the the 
the accidents, the accident, where he'd fall, where he'd land. And he'd make perfect sense out of it. What an artist. That's artistry. Absolutely. No question about it. And I, I can't let it pass, uh, Gary, because you worked with him as well. We're talking about Jack Bruce, but obviously with Ginger Baker, who just recently passed. Can yes. you share, you know, share your thoughts and feelings or experiences with Ginger, please? Really? You really want me? <laughs> you don't have to. We, you know, this is no. uh, good, bad or indifferent. I mean, he was he was obviously uh, a. a an amazing musician and uh, seemed like, I don't know, I didn't know him. And obviously I only saw the movie, but you hear about stuff, a very difficult guy to get along with. Right? <laughs> I know he was a very colorful and controversial person. But the thing, you, you know, I love characters in drums. And on the three occasions I worked on the same production as him, because I played alongside him with Jack or, you know, other things we did a lot of celebrating of birthdays and i remember these big concerts lots of musicians there and he'd be there and and uh he really couldn't have been any nastier to me <laughs> and and the other drummers in 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 the involved in the production hey you know everybody to his own you know we don't have to be best friends but but when he gets up there it's it really could be only that person and i love that you know i i just loved it we don't have to be friends that's all right it very definitely wasn't in the realms of possibility and it certainly wasn't being invited you know an opportunity to be friends or even civil for that matter but i mean he was a character and look was we're talking again he played like he was he was as controver controversial in his playing as he was as a person he was confrontational as he was in real life as he played. And that's this. There you go. What do you think the issue was there? Because such a dichotomy of the, the praise that you talk about playing with Jack Bruce and just the, the yeah. person and man he was and that connection versus what was going on with Ginger, do you think? Uh I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, what was going off? What was going on? I really, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I, I had no opportunity to even get past two sentences with him. But a lot of people tell very fascinating stories about him. And I'm, I'm quite fascinated by that because I would have liked to have known a little bit more about the person. I didn't have an opportunity, but uh, hey, it's okay. What he what he did with Jack? Can I just mention that that in Cream when we because we all love those records, right? Yeah. So, but when you go back and really just next next time you go, David, or anybody listening or watching, listen to Ginger's bass drum and listen to Jack's bass. This is very interesting because there's stuff they. For as as much as this this the, the hate that they used to perpetuate, I don't know whether it was for the show business, you know, whatever. But there was this unbelievable chemistry between them, where they could bring spontaneously an unbelievable kind of complementary sort of interplay. To the extent one of them would play in the notes, the other one leaves. 
Now you check that out with cream. I mean, and 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 leave it till you get into one of Eric's solos, extended solos, and check out the bass drum and the bass. It's something. It's something else. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I love Cream, obviously, and I'll, I'll go back and focus on yeah. that specifically. You know, I think what we're yeah. talking about, though, is some of Ginger's stuff, whatever you want to call that, was really, you know, going back to this young man <laughs> that you were mentoring and who sent you the videos, that gets into the mindset of that judgment or I can't play like him, but you know, who cares really? It's, it's all about, it's more of the groove, the fills and that's the icing on the cake. But yeah, yeah. Sadly, it's whatever ginger couldn't figure that out as far as getting past that judgment of others. It sounds like so. Yeah. I mean, of course there's plenty of this old school put a person on edge rather than, you know, and let's see what develops out of that first. And then we'll decide whether we're going to be friends. You know, this, I mean, there is an old school thing. Like I used, I was working in the seventies, you know, for a band leaders, like big band leader who was horrendous to me. I mean, his whole mode of communication was cruelty. Basically he would say the most awful things to you on stage in front of everybody else. And loud enough for the audience to hear. I mean, you know, you get through that stuff. But that was very much about that kind of time. And you know, I don't, I don't endorse it, but I, I do see it for what it was because I, I was there. I lived through that. Yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a definitely a place for motivation. But I think you can motivate and inspire people with kindness as well, not not cruelty. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So with yeah, this. Yeah. With this video cast series, it's this one's about drums, and obviously you're a, an amazing, accomplished pianist as well. Can we expect a video cast series on your keyboard playing as well? Well, not unless there's unbelievable demand. No, uh, I, I tell you, this has been, and we, we've only done six episodes, but the amount of time just into trying to conceptualize each one in terms of uh, what makes it hit home with its information content but also all the the extra you know the lights how does it look we're doing everything you know and and uh, and the sound of course we're using some pretty sort of basic uh, setups you know we're just depending on how great the drums sound and how good the room is and just just going for it. I mean, there's, there's, there's no, you know, luxurious special effects. It's just, it's just about music and about the reality. It's like we're here in a room and it sounds like the room you're seeing and, you know, and that's it. It looks, um, looks great to me so far from what I've seen of it. Some of the clips, it looks yeah, amazing. Thanks. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not averse to doing it on, on keyboards. I, I think with both instruments, there's, you know, I'm not, I'm not some kind of, I don't consider myself any kind of innovator level, but, but what I do consider is that I have a voice on the both instruments actually. And, and I can see how that is there. And it, it almost doesn't matter what kind of project I'm doing. Cause I do a terrific amount of different music and, on either instrument and uh, but that voice is always there and I hear it but I think it's and I think it's there as a result of my reluctance to 
Uh, first of all, I never transcribed anything of anybody else's. I didn't, and this and this is where I find myself at great odds with with the community of of not only the both instruments I play, but saxophone players, guitarists, whatever. Everybody's going transcri- transcription mad, and I'm going like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I mean, no, I know it's it's a great thing to accomplish a solo that's been born in somebody spontaneously and it's been their expression. Why would you want to actually master that? Like it's some kind of, you know, because the artist himself, Alan used, Alan Holdsworth used to get most upset when people used to transcribe his stuff. He said, man, you know, that was me on the spur of the moment, half drunk, you know, on the stage, having fallen over, my knee was bleeding. And, and, you know, I played that solo. I would never play that solo again. What, why immortalize it or attempt to, 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 to make it some kind of, I don't know, trophy or what, I, whatever. And he'd say, think of something yourself. You know, you don't copy me because you're, you're only going to be as good as that last time you transcribed me, you know, even if you do get near it, you know. And, and he had a kind of serious point with that. And he got very upset about people trying to clone him and, and and get his kind of movement into their muscle memory, which is really where I'm coming from too. So I so I really listened for the for the attitude in certain musicians, attitude of blues players, attitude of boogie woogie players, jazz players, rock players on piano, how they take solos, how they pace it, how they how they get the kind of frenetic thing, but not to know exactly what it is they're doing. Just, just to get to try to be inspired and take on the um, the inspiration given to me by by hearing them and seeing them do that, but having to do the work to think now how can I get an effect like that? You know, if I was to make a big interval jump up here, you know, could that possibly sort of yeah, you know, that's getting near it, you know? And how about if I play that more and intensely or or maybe just do a little trill between the fingers on yeah <laughs> excuse me that that's coming over quite well and you you get near to to trying to sort of get near that effect that inspired you so deeply and so greatly you know so um yeah that's that's what i'm to doing leave, leave the pen alone <laughs> that's my advice Leave the pen alone. I love it. So I'm hearing like spontaneity, improvisation, mm-hmm. going for that feeling uh, and finding mm-hmm. your voice. How would you describe your voice uh, on the drums or the keyboards, Gary? Uh, I think it's just a touch. It's it's just a, it's it's a touch um, because I, I think everybody's everybody's got a touch. Everybody's got a sound on drums. Everybody's got sound on piano. Um, even more unbelievably, when you when you when you bear in mind that the mechanism between the player and the piano string, and you have what you know, you've got this whole mechanism, the hammer, the springs, whatever, and um, before that note actually strikes the string, yet I could go into a club and hear the same piano played by one great artist, and the next, the following week, the same piano played by another artist with a very basic PA, basically a PA that meant it's on or it's off, you know, no, no EQ, nothing, just on or off. And that piano sounds completely different. So 
you know what is that all about you know and then you start to question it's it's really incredible what can come from you and and it's and it's in you so i i my belief and my conviction is that we're born original we are original you know if you came and played my snare drum you get a completely different sound to me david i've i've seen it i've heard it i've witnessed it so many times and uh how does that happen i don't know right yeah <laughs> but 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 let's it's sometimes it's not necessary to for me that I believe it's not necessary to actually understand things, just like it's not necessary to understand music before you can appreciate it. I don't understand what an orange is comprised of, but I like them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's go back a little bit, if we could, because your story uh, seems really fascinating. Which, which was it piano or drums that you fell in love with first? I was deeply involved in um, wanting to be a Formula One racing driver. So some of the first memories, yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, but the thing was, there was I was around music, and my father was a great musician. So I was trying to reach the piano. That was that was actually in the house. Drums went in the house, but the piano was, and uh, just to be able to to reach this thing and, and and get a sound, play a note, and play another one corresponding to it, or moving up. Um was uh, pretty something to be responsible for, for making a noise on an instrument. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it was, and my dad really had strict guidelines. He, he wanted, if I was going to even get near piano or the kind of piano I wanted to play, which I was never really into being a, a classical protege or anything, not that I could have been, but I was never really drawn to being on the classical platform. So, but I loved the music and the, especially a lot of the Eastern European classical music that I went through. It's very influential to, to play, which brings me to another point. Everything you go through stays with you and influences you. And those, they stay there. But, but the, the, the thing with the piano was that I had these classical lessons and they were hugely beneficial in a technical way. So it was definitely, and was, this was my dad's plan. It was always going to be a most superior way of, of, of getting a technique together. And he was of course exactly right, but you don't have to be that as a profession. You know, you don't have to make your career out of being a classical musician. He knew I wasn't into it, but he just he quite rightly said, if you're going to learn piano, classical piano, and it was tough. Yeah. And were some of those first lessons from dad or somebody else? So, yeah. Some, he used to, he, he used to look at certain things with me, but he, he rather, he, he was much more keen on the idea of me pursuing this privately with a proper teacher. And, uh, he, you know, I went to a few and, uh, it, the, the, with the classical, it was almost make or break for me. I, I almost wanted to stay away from piano um, completely because I was so soul-destroyed, this soul-destroying experience in a, in a way. But it's this, it was this cruelty thing again, you know, back then. And, you know, I'd play a phrase and said, oh, at long last, after many months, you've got it. 
and then she'd say, oh, no, well, you obviously did it by accident. So she, if there was even a compliment, it would be taken away instantly. So this is the kind of cruelty, you know, and also if you take certain te technical things where you, your thumb goes underneath certain scales, there'd be a coin on this hand, and if it fell off, she'd whack me with a cane. Is that right? Yes, sir. Wow, that's crazy. And I'm not... And I don't mean maybe. <laughs> ah, man, we're talking some uh, Pink Floyd, uh, the wall kind of stuff here going on, Gary. So, Oh, man, it's like Victorian, Victorian era training. Yeah. How old were you when that was going on? Um, well, I was getting progressively older by the, by the second. I could really feel it. But no, I was, I was young. I was, you know, 12, 13 so it's amazing you stayed with it with that kind of teaching. What what was your inspiration or, you know, not into the classical stuff, but who were you listening to that you did love and kept going with it? Uh, Keith Moon. <laughs> Keith Moon on piano. No, no, the, Keith, the, the drums were... The drums were kind of like waking up inside me and going, uh, yeah, yeah, hello. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, my, what... Really? And I was starting to watch, because British TV was its actually quite groovy back then. And you could see a lot of different kinds of music, from big bands to rock bands to all of the, all of the great players in all realms of music. And there didn't seem to be any separation. And, you know, there was this one occasion when I saw a drummer, and that did it for me. Uh, and at the same time, I was seeing people like Mitch Mitchell with Hendrix and, and Keith Moon, I absolutely adored. And of course, I just wanted to go to that break free of all the academia and just be free. So, so I eventually sort of made the change and started seriously playing drums, which my classical piano teacher was absolutely thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> but then you got to hit things, right? That's, that's one safe way yeah, to get some of that out. <laughs> Oh, yes, sir. But with exuberance, with spirit. Oh, it was magnificent just to to experience that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Keith Moon and Mitch Mitchell are some of my favorites as well. So um, did you, you know, the young man who you talked about who contacted you and, and asked mm. you for some mentoring, you know, that comparanoia that we talked about or that self-judgment, did you, I mean, you played with some of the top musicians ever with John McLaughlin, Alan Holdsworth, Jeff Beck. Did you ever have some of those moments yourself before your confidence got built that you said, yeah, I claim in my place here um, that you felt like, how am I here? Um, because I think I came to terms with you know, you start working with somebody like John, you know, he's Mahavishnu. <laughs> and, and you know, nothing's ever going to take away the experience of, of that I'm actually on the same stage as this guy I was listening to in 1972, wearing all white and, and playing this unbelievably revolutionary, shockingly beautiful and intense way in music and making these unbelievable innovations and yet he's there you know and if i try speaking about it okay, listen no we're way past all that now no you know no, now we're in the band and this is the band so we just get on and you know 
he wasn't the first one to show me that. Really, I learned that a long time ago. And, and also, I guess as a, as a retaliation to all the cruelty stuff from, from my early experiences were, were such that I actually felt no, I'm not in the least interested in what you're trying to make me, you know, you're trying to make me just just reduce into what tears or, or you know, a mess or some kind of somebody who loses all their confidence. No, no way. I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to show you if necessary. I'm just going to put my foot down on the stage and play where it is for me and what what makes it real and, and i learned to cultivate this yeah i guess the cruelty sort of made it unnecessary to cultivate that but at the same time i think working with people the admir the they know john knows that i absolutely adore him and will always respect him and he's you know i call him guruji guruji because he was like a, an improvisational guru to me, what he did and, and still does at the age of 76 years old, David, still getting up, getting up there and playing. It's incredible. Wow. It's incredible. Right. And so you've got, the, yes. you've got the tour coming up with John in the fourth dimension, the European tour. <laughs> Can we talk about that, yeah. please? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just so happy. That we're doing it, and it's it's the band, the fourth dimension. We've we've been in existence since the two thousand since two thousand and seven now, and I've been working with John since two thousand and five, and it's just an unbelievable joy. And with this band, we have Ranchard Barrett on drums, Etienne Mbappe on bass. It's a real multicultural band too. It's a very international band. Um. John and I are both from the same place in, in England, Yorkshire, in uh, the north of England. And um, as was Alan Holdsworth, actually, we, we looked like that on the map, Two, a little triangle <laughs> in terms of where we come from. Yeah, funny little geographical coincidence. But um, our bassist is Cameroon um, Extraction, and he's uh, – of no, he's Cameroon origin and um, lives in has lived in Paris for over twenty years, I think. Uh, our bassist, our drummer, Ranjit Barrot, was actually born, I think, in the north of England somewhere. I can't remember where, but but moved to India very soon after he was he was born, and and he had a wonderful. Kathak uh, dancer as a mother and um, magnificent inspiration, induction into all the different um, forms of music and disciplines of music in his in his youth, same as I was. So we were both very blessed. So it's a real kind of international band. We've got the, we've got the Indian and the African and the <laughs> the Yorkshire, the North of England. It's amazing worldwide, yeah. right? <laughs> worldwide. And are you also playing drums or all piano on the tour? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing it actually ever since the beginning. We there's two drum sets on stage, so there's usually at least two occasions in in the set where we do um, some drum conversation. Some drum interaction, not unlike this area of South Indian classical music, which 
is such an inspiration to me on drums. It's it's very noticeable in in the way I in my approach and certainly in my uh, articulation on drums. It's all there. The South Indian, you know, we, you have the Tavil, you have the Muridangam, you have the Kanjira, you have the Gatam, the clay pot, and all these. The attitude and the 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 uh, just the unbelievable way of putting things together is so passionate and so intense, you know, unbelievable. So, yeah, so. Anyway, this, this, you could just talk forever on all of this stuff. Can we talk about the pros and cons of touring for you? Um, how do you take care of yourself now compared to when you first started out even? Yeah, I guess the golden rules are still the same. Get sleep when you can and when you feel to, basically. you know, It doesn't matter if you have a sleepless night and, and you can – there are lots of emails to catch up on. You can always, you know, do some inspiring listening, write something uh, with waking hours. But the problem is when you don't have sleep. So the deprivation is a, a real big, heavy, particularly if it builds up. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, eat when you can too. If there's a stop, you're not hungry. Buy a sandwich, you know, buy something. Just get something in your bunk for later. Better better that than just be ravenous and there's no time to stop, you know. And and then you're not eating and uh, you're not feeling great and your mood stinks. And then you start shouting at people and they start shouting at you. And Yeah, it's just not it's, – it's good to try to just keep as uh, – I think the road is as much as a humanly inhabitable place. <laughs> as possible yeah i mean it can get pretty young you know pretty gnarly from time to time sure but that's human nature right exactly the the hungry angry the hangry there so uh, you know i've talked to folks right before the gig or you know going on stage people i've talked to other musicians who say i can't really eat anything because you know the 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 excitement the nerves are going and i've talked to some folks who are like i could eat a full thanksgiving uh dinner before the show where where yeah. where do you fall in that i like playing hungry playing hungry yeah 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 no i i do not like walking on stage with a big dinner and in, in, in your stomach no particularly drums but actually not even any music. I think any instrument. I, it's there's something about the the intensity goes, the edge goes a little bit, gets a little bit sluggish. I mean, if if you're super fit and stuff, and you're eating really good, it's not a big worry for you. But you know, the kind of food on offer on the road can be variable. Right. <laughs> the quality. That's kind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to be going out and having a double cheeseburger before playing. <laughs> At least I don't. No way. No, I'll, I'll have it after. As bad as it is to eat late, I'll, I'll always eat later. But it's, yeah. Are there other ways that you prepare for a gig? You know, are you warming up? Are you, do you, what, what do you do? A little bit. <laughs> um, uh, there, there are certain things like uh, on sound checks to, to things. Invariably, you you can get a feeling like, oh, this is going to be a great gig tonight, you know. 
and the sound is good and oh, you know, I'm really feeling this rhythm, you know, that feels really good and so and so's playing good. Oh, the band's in great shape. We're going to have a great gig tonight. And you go on stage and it stinks. It stinks from all of these different levels. The room sounds terrible now. You've you've got this expectancy of everything just falling into place. It's just, you can't take any of that for granted. It just, there's no way to really, I mean, I remember when I was super young and uh, somebody saying to me, you know, because I didn't used to drink at all until about early eighties, something like that. Um, So I was very fit always in, in my very young years. And, uh, Somebody just recommended, you know, if you just have a half pint of beer or like half a bottle of beer even, it's just enough to just take off the edge. And I thought, really? It's not going to upset anything? And uh, and I tried it. And actually, it was one of the best gigs I ever remember. And I thought, the biggest mistake I made was to come up and think, right, every night, a little half of a beer bottle. So the next time I tried it, it was it was terrible. It didn't work. <laughs> no, it was terrible. And so it just reminds you, we're not boss. We can't be boss. Music is boss. Music wins every time. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that then too, Gary. Mindset-wise, when when you have that hope and expectation, but you get out there and for whatever reason, it's fallen flat, you're not feeling it, the band isn't feeling it. How do you work with that? Uh, how do you sort of keep your thing going? Uh, work through it. Hang in. Stay in the moment, yeah. I mean, keep keep digging away, keep plowing away. Uh, for one reason or another, I, I think it's important that as long as we're, we're taking business when the band feels separate in a way, we're, we're not gelling. We're not, you know, it's, it's just not really happening between us. I think the responsibility on, on each of us is like, okay, if you're the drummer, let's get this feeling good. I'm not going to go crazy. Let's just get this feeling good. You know, and he's, he's reaching out. This this benevolence I think needs to be there to, to bring in, to get cozy with the, with the bass. It's, it's not feeling quite tight enough. But let's get together on this. Let's just take it easy and, and, and just work with it, but keep going. And of course, yes, yeah, have to keep going, but it, I think it makes the difference between a lousy gig throughout if if you just hang in for the right reasons and bury oh you, i saw your dog this is bob by the way so um, yeah bob hey bob bob the pug you know i think that's great advice just to keep on going and find that yeah. connection with the other musicians to bring the show around right mm-hmm. and it can it can it can just reverse this this seemingly sluggish this 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 thing that's just not happening not enjoyable nothing works etc etc it can change it can change mid-show mid-tune mid-tune wow if if everybody's in if everybody's you know i mean if you've got a guy looking the other way is not caring too much 
good luck basically but but if you're all in just keep going keep going do you also find that uh there are some times that is it just the band feeling this or are you noticing that the crowd is also feeling it or they don't notice i think i think people who attend gigs feel everything I, i i really feel the feeling in the room when odd things happen in music or something strange happens and this, this, there's all this tension in the air. I think people feel it. I think people are looking at faces, at the people playing on stage. And not only do they want to, they want something from you, they want to feel something from what you're doing, but they're also intimately concerned with how you're doing up there, you know? And and I think the it's 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 inevitable really that that, that uh, musicians with sort of difficulties on a night you know on a bad night sound it could be sound feedback howling and and things not coming together and you're just like God, what am I going to do you know this is and 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 they see that you know they they even the most professional of the singers you know who were able to carry it on hey that show goes on you know and they could be miserable as sin inside thinking what i can't wait to get off the stage but they're doing it and they're putting out anyway i think the audience still feel it they 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 know what you're going through and they i think people feel special to be involved with the intimately involved in kind of what's happening that's unique to that night in that hall and uh, and the struggle that they're having, and they and they identify with the struggle. I think Tony Tony Bennett said that to Frank Sinatra once, or the other way around. Uh, Tony Bennett, there's some kind of really inspiring thing, and Tony said, you know, I'm just so petrified, I'm going to lose him. And Frank said, Are you kidding? And they're looking for everything in your face. They want to see you going through it to deliver. You know, they want to they want to know that this is a a hundred percenter for you you know it's a make or break kind of situation this being on stage and and presenting something and being determined that something's going to be great and uh i was so inspired to read that you know no question and so so let me ask i've read uh that is this john's last tour no we we did uh, a big tour getting on for two years ago uh, in the states, which was which was uh, billed as John's last tour in the states. In the states, okay. Yeah. Um, reasons for that. This just all the bureaucracy getting harder. Him feeling it a lot more. There was also uh, a, a problem with uh, uh, you know the like tendonitis or carpal tunnel. It's it's not carpal, no. It's it's uh, arthritic. Okay, got it. Yep. And uh, but he's found some injections that that they're actually really really making the whole situation a lot better now. So he's he's kind of got a big new lease of life. But at the time of announcing that he he wasn't having a really good time of it at all. But did you did he give in? No. <laughs> another ins- another inspirational cat. I mean. That's right. Resilience, right? Oh, yeah. 
strength. Speaking of the physical aspects of all of this with music, I mean, obviously you're a drummer, you're a, a piano keyboard player. Have you ever had struggles physically? I mean, this is a, you talk about like Phil Collins having struggles uh, playing drums. Have you ever experienced any pain or stuff? Um, yeah, yeah. I've got a history of bad back problems. And you, you know, share lifting suitcase fender roads into gigs, or Hammond B3 organ up a spiral staircase, and then down again afterwards. I mean, I put my back through it. And, of course, being young, it didn't matter. You know, everything. I was indestructible at that that age didn't matter you know i'd hold my traps case above my head you know and it's like yeah you know i mean pure madness if if i had any idea of what i was doing to my back of course this is the older guy speaking now so um you know i'm i'm sort of reaching out in terms of advice take care of your back (laughs) because it's your core it's your core that's wisdom, I think, right there. I think that's really important, right? Yeah, yeah. And and hopefully you got a crew working with you with this European tour, right? Yeah, we do. I, I I try not to get it's it's not really of it's not really feasible for me to be lifting kits anymore. I do hire people to do sort of a lot of the heavy lifting work. I'm fine with cymbal bag and you know a suitcase and and even my keyboard cases. But uh, a lot of the case full of traps and, you know, big drum racks. No, that's that's uh, I'm done with that. So is my back. <laughs> Let the younger guys do that. Right. So, you yes. burned it. yeah, you burned. Yeah. It. You know, can we can we talk a little bit about I, I bought just a, a inexpensive keyboard a, a little while ago just because. It's a percussive instrument, and I can really only bang out some quarter notes at the moment. But can you talk about piano keyboards as a percussive instrument, please? Um, well, it, it is technically a percussive percussion instrument. Yeah, yeah, I know that. In spite of the fact, uh, it's funny, but with piano and the drums, actually, I share a very common. Uh, a, a, a very similar, actually identical kind of uh, approach to both the instruments, and that's the the I think of artic- articulation, the overall as as being a single factor towards the total um, aspect of what you want to put over, uh, and and by that I mean like incorporating. Uh, the overdrive, the understatement, the silences, the most aggressive playing, whatever else. And, and I'm really into this kind of full spectrum of expression, if you like. Even if you're playing a song, you know, very simple song form with very simply stated chords, triads, whatever. You want to get a certain feeling behind them. There's a certain poignancy you can bring at this point in the bridge, maybe, just before it starts feeling like it's going to the chorus. And this is a little spot where you can make it really, and just a little, some kind of little pause, and stuff like that I'm concerned with. It's, it's getting the feeling out of music, and, and some of it is, de- is delivered with hopefully really good, on it, precise percussion or percussive instinct with your with you plan playing, and some of it requires the exact opposite. 
And I, I like the full spectrum. I don't know if that answers anything. I think it does. And I, I think it's, to me, it was important as a drummer to mm. learn, learn more about music, music theory. And I think keyboards is a natural extension of that. And obviously you do it incredibly mm. well. So uh, plus my wife just says I'm tapping all the time on every, you know, so I got to just <laughs> figure I tap on the keyboards a little bit. <laughs> you think that's unique to you? <laughs> I've been in trouble about that since I was five. <laughs> Get out. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I should just ask every drummer that of like at four or five oh. where you scolded for tapping on things, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And the, yeah, the video yeah. cast series you can get on uh, GaryHusband.com, the upcoming tours with John McLaughlin in the fourth dimension in Europe. Any particular yes. places that are highlights or standouts i mean they're all good obviously you're you're working but uh, some mm. have special memory and feeling for you there are more german dates i think than anything i think one or maybe two in italy i don't know it, it, it I, I do have a video tours video uh, a tours live stroke live page and i and i get all those things up there and we're starting in sweden so it's it's actually technically not only a european tour but uh it's yeah we're getting around a bit there's there's hardly anything i don't think not anything in france this time because we did a big tour in the spring of europe so this this is just this one's playing some of the areas that we didn't get to so uh i say we the band yeah well that's we right the royal we so <laughs> Royally. <laughs> so, but career-wise, Gary, any special gigs come to mind? Any special places or venues uh, that just stand out for you? No, they're all special. They're all special. I mean, I, I just so certain you tend to remember things about your really super younger younger days, and I've got a few memories there. I, I remember uh, one remarkable experience ahead of. Um, because there was so much of, uh, you remember the Irish situation in, in in the 70s, and of course the Catholics and the Protestants and this this whole warfare. I witnessed something very profound in that the the hall started to fill up with people of either one of those faiths or any other faith, and and all of a sudden faith was out the window for for a good 90 minute set or two halves of the concert we played. And for that time, there was total harmony and, harmony and unity between people. And it was like you saw and felt a solidarity. Everybody in this moment for music and, and, and the joy of music. And, and they, they enjoyed it. And then, of course, the concert finished, and they go outside, and there's... And it's... I'll never forget how profound that was an effect on me. Um, it's it's often just life things, really. I, I think the act of playing in front of people uh, is just so special. Whether it's two, three people in a in a little bistro, or two thousand or twelve thousand people, whatever, it doesn't matter. In fact, the 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 the, the the more intimate sort of situations are quite nice. You'll know yourself, David. I'm sure I'm saying uh, all of 
I don't, you guys I don't gig out yeah. as much as you do, Gary. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I love hearing about it. So. <laughs> no, it, it, there are special, spectacular nights. I mean, I, I have to say, I live for those. I, I live for the nights that make everything worthwhile, make all the hard work pay off, and everything was worth it. The the rough travel, the you know, the all the practice that's gone into making this happen, because this night. Everything came together, and it's it's really like thank you, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> really, because you you can you suffer in music, you, you you suffer to get where you are, you you suffer to to get what's inside of you out, to to try and find any tangibility, to to, to feasibility, to uh, you struggle with being articulate what you feel inside and find find ways to do that and. It is a struggle, sure. It's it's not a it's not a happy, happy, happy. <laughs> very often, except sometimes, and it can be a real joy, and and it can be humorous, of course, too. But 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 there's a lot of the struggle aspect in music, and I'm I'm fine with it all in equal measure, and I'm very happy and blissfully lucky to be doing what I do. Still, especially at this grand old age. <laughs> well, you're not that old, and uh, you're playing at an amazingly high level. What do you remember about you. what? You know, you're welcome. Uh, thank you. What was the dream, Gary, that you started out with? And do you feel like you're there, or you're just you're continuing to keep go for that with music? No, no. I I feel that I'm still getting better. And that I'm still um, developing, but I still feel as if I'm probably playing better than I ever did on both instruments and moving and moving. So uh, I'm very happy with that. The moment that's in reverse, I don't know. I know. Might, might be time to go and live in the Mediterranean and, you know. But uh, no, no, I, I'm just happy with it being on the up, and and if because the other way I wouldn't be able to handle, and uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful and joyful that the prospect that that I have uh, a good few years to to you know actually a lot of years to stay around and and pursue this and explore this this exciting wonderful joyous life that I have in music. It's not all fun, you know. <laughs> but when it's fun, it is fun, and I. Oh man, bless. Right, you, you know, and I, I think it's powerful what you said about the other, the concert with, you know, whether it's faith, religion, politics, whatever. Music seems to be one of those things that transcends whatever somebody believes in, and and brings in that unity and harmony. Right. Yeah, I, I heard somebody. Once it's very inspirational, it kind of summed up everything I felt from coming away from an experience like that. And they said, you know, oh, what faith are you? What religion are you? And said, yeah, I've got religion, inner faith, inner strength. And I thought, oh, yes. There you go, right? Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Can I can I switch gears a little bit? Uh, because yeah. I, I, I have to ask you, you know, <laughs> Some of the people you've worked with, I'm looking at the list here, and it's just insane, uh, Gary. Congratulations. You, you've worked with some of the top guitarists, literally, of all time. And I'm wondering mm. if you might be able to say 
a couple words or memories about these four especially. Obviously with John McLaughlin, Alan Holdsworth, Jeff Beck, and Gary Moore. Those, mm. you know, that's kind of like a Mount Rushmore of guitar right there. But yeah. how did yeah. all that happen? And, and some memories that come to mind of them, please. Well, uh, I have very, very fond memories of Gary Moore. Yeah, he was a, a very sweet individual. He, he really was a sweet guy. Like everything you read and hear about Hendrix, actually, he was... He had this this sweet quality to him, and a, and a very very kind kind of nature, and he had a dark side. <laughs> no, a bit of a dark side. I mean, he wasn't. He could be difficult and temperamental, but he was this very sweet, essentially a very sweet guy, and he was complicated. That's all, which which invariably seems to be the the case with a lot of the people, especially a lot with artists who are who have this kind of struggle of uh, to find and search and to get where the, they think this thing is and and uh, I think Gary was he really worked hard to please as many people as he could all the time and it I, I kind of wish he hadn't done I wish he kind of like so who cares? You know, the people, there was enough of fan base of Gary. I mean, he was one of the most incredible visceral communicators guitar on guitar. When he played a note, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that was Gary. Yeah. I mean, visceral. And John, I really can't say enough about John, really. The, the, everything he's, the, the influence, but, but, but more so the, Continuing inspiration that he is as a player, as a musician, as a searcher, and 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 where he throws himself. You know, I was making this this uh, this. Uh, it's also very funny with John too. But I, I was noticing this this one particular move of John's. That if you used to seeing him play a lot, you see him like bring his hand off the fretboard like almost aggressively like sometimes like and his hands in the air and uh, i think a lot of people think of that as some kind of like affectation actually i realized not so many years ago exactly what that was about and that's that he will not allow himself to play what he knows and if he finds himself going into a a phrase, no matter how appropriate and how great it would be at that moment, if it's something that he knows, he takes his hand off the fretboard. And I thought, oh man, how is that? You know, to because to be able to deny yourself your best punch at that most opportune moment because you've got this rule, you will not repeat yourself and go into a phrase that's in muscle memory. I think that is one of the most inspirational things I ever heard in music, you know. And that's because he's continually trying to grow and keep expanding, right? He insists on being um, uh, in to be in the spontaneous, to be uh, of what he's doing, to be of the purest kind of spontaneous improvisation it can be. What he knows isn't in question. And he, and he takes his hand away from the guitar. 
it's unbelievable. Alan used to do it a little bit too, although he was obviously a very much different, a very different kind of player. And we we started playing together when we were, I was eighteen, so I had almost thirty four years on and off with with Alan. So it really is was the most significant development for me, particularly as a drummer, but also in music and um, and sort of for in terms of the relationships as players in music and the communication, improvisational thing. Uh, it's not much I could say. <laughs> it's a special relationship there, it sounds like. I think the, the last time I worked with him in 2014, he was very sick, and yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be long, you know. So, sure enough, it wasn't. Uh, so, losing him was a real biggie. Uh, just to sort of start to try to find my way of making sense of being a musician to that point, actually, it was, is weird with him not here. You know, it's very strange. Hey, that's grief. But uh, you spoke of John, Alan, and uh, Gary, and Jeff Beck. <laughs> I haven't worked with Jeff very much, but I, but I have a couple of times, and uh, he's another real sweet, sweetie. And 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 any more self-effacing, you just can't get. And you know what a character. We're talking like we we were. We were on at the beginning of this interview now, the, the, the real characters. I mean, who else? I mean, somebody gives Jeff Beck a guitar and he sounds like Jeff Beck on your guitar. That's it. Like Alan used to say, for guitars, it's in your hands and in deeper, deeper than that. He's a big favorite. I mean, there, there have been others too. Robin Trower, uh, with, with, it was the last time I worked with Jack, actually Jack Bruce. And we did um, an album called Seven Moons, which was a really nice record. I'm so happy that worked out because um, that band was uh, just around for a little while and then we lost Jack. So, yeah, it's been a big period of, of loss. <laughs> And it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard without these these people. But but it's the sole thing. I have to take everything they gave me, carry it on, keep going, keep going with the with, with the spirit that we we both enjoyed and we both worked together with in in that way, and just keep it going. Keep keep the thing going. And I hope. Uh, I hope to do just that. Well, I think you are doing it. And I think you're doing it really well. Um, is there any music current or recently or upcoming music with John that will be released or any live albums from the, these tours that will be released? Uh, I don't think so. No, no. The um, uh, There might be something. There might be something we recorded originally movie music, but it might come out on its own terms with John. Um there's no talk about anything new just now. Um, but I've been recording with a bunch of other people and other projects. I, I did a, a piano album with uh, an American, but has lived in Britain most of his life. Mark Winkfield, you ever heard of him? He's a, he's kind of like a proggy, uh, strongly atmospheric guy with um, 
a lot of kind of English influence to to what he does. And we did an album that's currently out, and you know that's people are enjoying that. It's quite ambient and atmospheric. So uh, as a change from what I'm usually involved in. So I mean, there are different things all over the place that that um, I keep doing recordings for people, and then they keep coming out, and they're thinking, "Wow, I don't remember that." Yeah, because this can happen like uh, you do something a year ago or six months or two years ago and it comes out, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. So it's it's always a pleasant surprise, you know, if it sounds good and you still believe it to be good and when something comes out and it documents an important time. And and it's it's lovely to be involved in so many uh, thoroughly eventful recordings and stuff uh, over the years with uh, wonderful people and a lot of a lot of those who are not here anymore makes it very special sure yeah mm. a, a few more questions if you don't mind uh if, yeah. you're, if you're good with that i've had the pleasure of you know uh speaking with some incredible drummers such as yourself one of them being you know we're talking about john mclaughlin and the mahavishnu orchestra one of them being billy cobham a couple of times mm. um can you talk a little bit about billy and and you and any time with him oh well it's a big big part of uh my original formation in terms of influence he was a, a real hero when i saw him 1974 on tv nothing was the same again <laughs> <laughs> you know that feeling i hear that a lot from so, people when they talk about billy yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that was it yeah that was a that was the life-changing game-changing moment right there and uh you know i remained a fan and of course the and there's there's nobody really like him with that kind of articulation, that attack and every note clear and that kind of intent and this ridiculous facility and the sound. Amazing. Amazing. Billy Cobham. And uh, since 92, I think I joined his band actually. And we also do some double drums. And, uh, What's that like playing with Billy? Yeah, well, yeah, you deliver. Do or do or die. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think it was a first first recording I did because I did quite a few years with him in different bands, ending up with one that finished in two thousand fourteen. Uh, and um, the first one was called an album called The Traveler, and we did a. There was a track on there featuring us both, a, a double drum duet, which was actually a first and remains a first one and only time for another drummer to play on one of his, you know, on a Billy Cobham album. The album was called The Traveler, and the the, tight, the track was um, On the Inside Track. On the Inside Track, love it. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably the last tune or the penultimate tune. And we do a we do a drum duet in there, yeah. Much much like we used to do on 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 stage with those with those bands, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was a great experience, yeah. No uh, other mm. other drumming and piano influences that really have shaped your voice, Gary. Too numerous to mention, really. 
but the, but there are several that that, that remain um, really at the forefront, really prominent ones. People who really uh, Tony Williams, really for me in the area of drums and what he was doing with with Miles Davis, and then what he did with the band Lifetime and. And uh, really similar, and when he kind of reinvented himself and he had the big yellow kit on the Gretsch, uh, you know, it was a very different kind of uh, expression of himself, but still the same. Everything about him is, was, is the same, just this new sheen to everything. And, uh, I, you know, there are so many drummers in all kinds of realms of music. You know, I spoke to you you know, an hour ago about Keith Moon and all of those kind of people that came to mind, the, the really formative influences. And they could have been from uh, really old uh, jazz recordings through big band drummers, all the drummers for Count Basie, Harold Jones, Sonny Payne, Rufus Speedy Jones, I mean, uh, Joe Jones, just to name a few. In fact, all the Joneses, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, I I loved so many different kinds of music. Lots of Brazilian drummers I loved because my dad loves Brazilian music. So I heard a lot of that music and just took little things that, that resonated with me and applied them to what I was doing. And uh, really just anybody who who plays with meaning and purpose with a message. And if you tell me a story, I'm even more in love with you. <laughs> you know, just tell me something in what you're doing, and uh, let me let me feel it. That's all I ask. Uh, I, I'd rather see that than technical displays or exuberance displays, or you know, it's doesn't really do it for me. I mean, it's impressive, my God, but. Uh, Will I remember it tomorrow? No. <laughs> so. But the story will stay with you, right? But, but the story, yeah. Somebody touches a thing in me, and I'm just, I just want to be touched like that. Uh, I'm addicted to that. And, and, and really, my, my sole intent, is, as it, and will always be, is, was and will be to try to give anybody else the kind of experience through music that certain musicians gave me in music. And if I can kind of get near doing that, I'll have done something worthwhile in my life, yeah. I love it. I love it. A couple of advice questions to ask you before before we wrap is sure. one of the things I like to ask uh, musicians on this show, especially for the younger or up-and-coming musician, around the business of music. Obviously, you got to have your your skill set and all of that, and your people skills. But you also got to take care of your business. What advice would you give other musicians? I think other musicians, or I, I think we've all been through so many difficult periods and and uh, experiences of being uh, somewhat alleviated of, of money. <laughs> From <laughs> it's like the old, the old joke of the drummer Art Blakey, the jazz drummer who, 
he was really notoriously bad for paying his band and stuff. And and the, the, the latest excuse he got he got to them on the penultimate gig and said, "Fellas, I just got mugged on the way to the gig, and these guys got away with all your money, <laughs> <laughs> all their money, <laughs> all your money." <laughs> yes, that's true. I mean, it's 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 very it's very difficult sometimes for the people involved in so much of the music they're not they're not um and i'm i'm one of them we, at heart anyway i'm not a natural salesman you know i'm not a natural negotiator i'm not a natural manager for myself i'm not great at talking about myself and promoting myself even really i do it because i have to and we don't have people assigned to do that which we used to have in the music business now we've got to do everything and take full responsibility for everything. And I think if we if we do that and we approach that with um, integrity and, and with, you know, not trying to screw anybody and, uh, and make sure that uh, certain things are in writing and, and agreements are, are upheld as, as negotiated and as they read or as they were discussed in some kind of agreement, then... Uh, you know, there's this is a very big word, isn't it? Respect. If we have the respect to 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 make sure somebody is is compensated in the way that you promised, you know, if we're as band leaders, you may take a band somewhere. I've certainly had bands, and they are paid before I see a cent. You know, in most cases I never saw anything with all, all the overheads and make sure making sure they're paid. And that's that's it. So I guess that makes me more of a caring, sharing band leader than than some that I've worked for. Because I mean, you've nearly, you know, I've I've been in situations where I've had to really almost get very angry with with people just to hold my ground and say, "Listen, I'm not walking out of here until you." Uh, I know you're good for it. I've seen the money. I've seen the cash. So just do what I ask. And guess what? You never have to see me again, which which is fine, because I will walk away from people really who who try and do that. And there are certain people I work for who I don't work for anymore. And that's not all the down to them. So, uh, (laughs) Integrity, that integrity, that respect, being true to your word, very important, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I have utmost utmost respect for for every musical situation I go in, in every sense, you know, in every aspect, and I trust them, and and I am ready to offer them nothing but the, the best that I can do. And if I'm, you know, done over, as it were, or or ripped off for for, for doing that, it's uh, not good. But but it has happened a lot, and and I make sure that I try and cover my steps and cover myself. That the things are in place that are agreed upon before. Um, if you can have a, a little advance towards something, it's that's great. I mean, particularly when you're working with people you don't know, you know, um, with people you work for all the time, no need. But. Uh, uh, just things like that, and um, yeah, just 
really just being vigilant and and being careful that's all because people can be very tricky in this business there's there's no other legal and we could debate whether the music business is a legal business or not but there's there's no other business that i keep hearing about that has uh these kind of issues like even the movie business they they seem to have more of their act together and you know the the piracy or the theft or whatever but music business is a special thing it seems like right so let's end with talking to that young man again or or the the young woman or young man who's listening or the older Mm. adult who's picking up an instrument for the first time who's Mm. watching all of this stuff online on social media and there's pro you know there's some great stuff social media and there's some difficult stuff but what advice would you give to them when that fear of judgment or comparanoia starts coming in or they feel like giving up what advice would you give them try to come up with a Good overview on where you're at with your with your music and your playing. Uh, I would suggest, and I always do suggest, recording ourselves at any given opportunity. Playing with people, a real biggie. To even if it's just bad musicians, I've learned, I've learned as much playing with people who haven't really got it together at all than I have playing with great musicians. So each one has been a learning, especially for drummers. Where, where really your, your duty and your, your responsibility is to really center the music and make it happen, swing or groove or rock or whatever. And, uh, and I think that most of what you cultivate as a player will come together in the way that you handle and you, you work your way in different musical situations playing with different people. And this is invaluable experience, to play with other people, to record yourself, so you can go back and go, what happened to all those ghost notes I'm playing? Can't hear that. And this accent is like way loud. And Jesus, the symbols everywhere. So now you've got like three or four angles on what's wrong with what you're hearing. So you can address them and start recording yourself again. See, you know, making sure you raise the ghost notes. They're not too you know, inaudible anymore. Your accents aren't quite so prominent. They come a little more contained with with your sort of uh, internal balance within the drums and, and all kinds of things like that you start learning. So really it's just a steady improvement towards getting good because once you once you start getting good, start believing that more. And from as you believe it more, this will aid your conviction and your confidence. And you you find the confidence to walk in any room and play with whoever doesn't matter you walk in there there's some big big shot and get to you know eddie van halen's there or somebody like that so what you're going to sit down you're going to be the drummer and he's yes he's marvelous but you your job is to play some pretty intense drums today so take care of what you do and um and they respect you for that they know they know that, you know, they're not going all coy and shy and, you know, closing up because, uh, it's, you know, he's, he's in awe of me and whatever. No, they want you to they want you to kick them up the behind, kick them up the ass. <laughs> That's what they want. You know, any guitarist worth their salt wants to be kicked up. I can say that. I've worked with enough to know that. And I 
Oblige. <laughs> yeah, because you can't really be coy or shy as the drummer, right? You got to be right there. Not really. No. No, it, it isn't really a sort of um, <laughs> shy person's thing. No. That's right. And I, I, I apologize. I forgot. You've also <clears throat> done some work with Eddie Van Halen, too. Uh, oh, no. No, I was, uh, it was just a couple of jams once. Well, that's more than I've done, no, Gary, so that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, this has been a real pleasure, man. It's really cool to connect with you. Thank you so much for being on the record today. The pleasure is, is really all mine, David. I'm, I'm overjoyed. Very cool episode. What did you think about that? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it. And if you want to watch this interview, there's a video too. You can check it out on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, musiciansontherecord.com. Until next time, I'm David Ward. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 